Hello and welcome to this morning worship service from Hersham Baptist Church. My name is Phil, I'm the pastor of the church here. It's great to have you with us. We're here to provide great Christian content to help us all to be courageous in mission, Bible-saturated, spirit-dependent and loving of others. If you're new here or this is your first time, please hit like and subscribe below to get in touch or you can contact me through the links you can see on the screen next to me. We'd love to have to get a chance to get to know you we're back in work person worshipping on Sunday mornings at 10.30 on Arch Road in Hersham. We'd love to see you there. Please do email and book a space if you'd like to join us. That's 10.30 on Arch Road in Hersham on Sunday mornings for worship in person. We have begun a series of talks for Lent, looking at Jesus' heart, at the very centre of his being, at who he was in himself. Last week we saw that Jesus was full of joy and that he wants to share that joy with us. This week I want to look at three practical ways that we can experience joy. Before we dig into what they are, here is today's lunchtime summary. Jesus wants to give us joy through his people, his world and his work. Jesus wants to give us joy through his people, his world and his work. He wants to give us joy through his people, his world and his work. Well, last week we looked at three spiritual exercises that help us to experience the joy that Jesus offers us. And, and they were delighting in scripture, finding our joy and our uh, hope and happiness in the Bible. Those who want to know the joy that Jesus offers need to learn to read and then rejoice in the Bible. Second, being filled with God's Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. If we want to know the full extent of God's joy, we need to let his Spirit fill our lives. And then third, saying no to the passing pleasures of sin in order to say yes to the joy that God offers. Saying no to the passing pleasure of sin to say yes to the long-term happiness that God offers. Well, this week I want to add three very practical steps to those spiritual exercises. These are three practical things we can do with the world around us to help us to live in the joy that God wants for us. They're first taking joy in God's people, second taking joy in God's world, and third taking joy in God's work. Let's look at each one of these in turn. So first, taking joy in God's people. God wants to bring us joy through one another. Christianity isn't a, a solo thing where I sort of sit in a room and I read my Bible and I get topped up with joy juice every day. It's something we do together. If we want to experience the joy that Jesus gives us, we need friends, spiritual brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers. The church is God's plan, not only for how we become like him and do his work in the world, still less for how we get together in a building on a particular day of the week. It's his plan for how we experience his joy, his happiness. We're made to be in relationship with one another. We need one another. This is the pattern we found in the church throughout the ages. It's there in the New Testament. We find that Christians spur one another on to do good works, yes, but to find their joy in God. For example, we might experience the joy of hearing what God is doing in other people's lives, what God has been doing through them. 
Here's an example from Acts chapter 15 and verses 2 to 3. It says, Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem and to see the apostles and elders about this question. There was a question in one of their churches about what they should teach, so they went to ask senior church leaders. A very good idea. The church sent them on their way, and as they travelled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. In other words, they went and they said, this is what God's been doing in our lives, through us. And this news made all the believers very glad. They received joy by hearing what God was doing in someone else's life. We encourage one another in person like that, but we, we also receive that encouragement by reading stories of what God has been and is doing in the world right now. You know, this is particularly important at this time in our history as uh, people based in Western Europe. We live in a world where the main sources of news are, have no interest in religious stories at all. They're not even really interested in understanding what's going on in the world of religion. They don't get it, they don't think it's relevant, they think it's shrinking when actually it's growing. And we won't ever hear what God is doing by reading the Times or the BBC. We need to hear that reality, that part of our world, through talking to one another through reading the stories of what God has done through great men and women in our time and in history. As well as sharing the joy of what God is doing in our lives right now, we bring each other joy by worshipping together. The Psalms are full of this, the joy of worshipping with other people. We experience God's joy when we worship and particularly when we worship together. That's what St Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26. It says, when you come together, each of you has a hymn. One of you wants to sing a song. Or you've got a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. He's describing a morning worship service. He says, everything must be done so the church may be built up. In other words, it's good for us. It increases our joy when we worship together. So we find joy in God's people, but we also find joy in his world. We're created to find joy in the world around us. God made the world and it is awesome and it is fun. We don't say that enough. The world is there made to be fun. We don't need to be po-faced or sanctimonious about life. The world can be enormous fun and Christians, above all people, should take joy in it. For example, this is uh, some verses picked uh, from, the, uh, from the Old Testament. I could have picked hundreds, but here are some examples. God makes the grass grow for cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil that makes their face shine and bread that sustains their hearts. As someone who loves to bake, these words really resonate with me. The olive oil that I use for kneading my bread makes my face shine with joy. It sustains my heart. You know, that sense of wine and celebration. I'm not someone who drinks alcohol, but I can see in the way that the scripture talks about it, that it, 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 there is a sense that God joys in us enjoying the things he's given us. Or Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 19. A feast is made for laughter. Wine makes life merry. In other words, eat, eat drink, enjoy each other's company. There are loads of activities and things in God's world that can bring us joy if we will let them and embrace them. Playing football is fun. 
So play it and rejoice and thank God for it. The countryside is beautiful, so go for walks. Rejoice and thank God for it. Food tastes good, so bake it and taste it and rejoice and thank God for it. The stars shine, so go stargazing and rejoice and thank God for them. Music inspires us, so sing. Playstations entertain, so boot them up and use them and rejoice and thank God for them. I make this point because I worry when I look that our culture is is serious or distracted, that we're people who are either too serious or too distracted, so focused on getting on in work and getting our tasks done, or so distracted by screens or by scrolling or by roadblocks that we miss the sheer joy and awesomeness of the world around us. You know, everyone can get some measure of joy from the world. And yet for Christians there is, or at least there should be, an extra layer to the whole experience. You see, everyone can enjoy the thing themselves. Everyone can enjoy the freshly baked loaf as they sink their mouth and their teeth into it and the steam rises and it hits your tongue and you think, oh, it's good. But for the Christian, there's an extra dimension. You see, I taste the bread and it hits my tongue and I think, oh, it's good. And then I think, and oh, God is good. Thank you for this bread. On a practical level, that's why when I pray and give thanks, and when I try and teach my children to, we don't just give thanks for things that seem spiritual, serious. We give thanks for fountain pens, for books, for hockey, for iPads, for coffee, for bunnies. They're awesome. They bring me joy and they point me back to God. Finally, we can find joy in doing God's work. One of our core values as a church is that we're courageous in mission. That means that we want to be brave in doing God's work, in sharing Jesus with others. And that's a value that's chosen for a very good reason. We need to be brave in doing God's work. Sharing with Jesus with others can be scary. It can be daunting. It can prompt rejection. I've been physically beaten up for preaching in the past, never in this church. Indeed, not in a church at all. But I've been physically assaulted for preaching. If you want a life full of challenge and mission and a life for those who are brave and not for cowards, then follow Jesus. But that doesn't mean to make mission sound like a burden, like a miserable kind of heavy weight to carry. It can be a deep and wonderful source of joy. We can see this in at least two ways. There's enormous joy in praying for stuff and seeing God answer. There's enormous joy in praying for stuff and seeing God answer. There's a very funny example for this in Acts chapter 12 and verses 12 to 14. To set the scene, Peter has been locked up. His church was praying for him to get out. In the middle of the night, an angel came and led him miraculously out of the prison cell. And Luke picks up the story as Peter realises this hasn't been a dream and he heads for his friend's house where all his friends are praying. It says this, when, it's, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came and answered, uh, answered the door. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. 
I don't know if you can picture the scene. There's this group of people and they're praying and they're praying, Look, God, release Peter, release Peter, release Peter. And then when they see God answer, she is so happy, she leaves the poor guy in the street while she goes and tells everyone. It's amazing when we're praying for stuff and it happens. It can prompt real joy. I can reach for a couple of examples from this last month. One night, about a month ago, I was in really bad pain in my stomach. It had lingered on from the previous night when it had kept me awake and it was getting worse. I had some sort of bad stomach pain, stomach upset. Abigail, my daughter, could see I was upset and not right, so she put her hand on me and she prayed for me to be healed. Ten minutes later, the pain had gone. Now, unfortunately, Abby was in bed asleep at this point. I, too, slept really well. The next morning, the first thing I said to Abigail was, Abby, you remember you prayed for me last night when I was getting worse and worse and worse, in worse and worse pain. And I, I said, as soon as you prayed for me, 10 minutes later, the pain had gone and I slept brilliantly. She was so excited, she was literally bouncing with joy. Or seeing so many people from the church come together to pray at 30 minutes notice when uh, little Erin was heading back into intensive care a couple of weeks ago. We prayed and prayed for her. There were people praying she would turn the corner that night. Others were crying out for her to be back home before her birthday. All at a time when everything seemed to be going in the wrong direction. She did turn the corner that night. She did get back home a few days later, well before her birthday. The joy of seeing that happen is real. There's also, of course, the joy of seeing people come to know Jesus for themselves. Got a guy called George being baptised next week. We're thrilled to be baptising him. He became a Christian last autumn, did Alpha with us in the um, autumn turn, and is getting baptised next week. And the joy that brings not only him but me is real. Doing God's work with joy and expectation brings us real joy in return. So how do we put this into practice? Well, here are some suggestions. I've got four suggestions, and hopefully they're very practical. First, commit to meeting other Christians regularly to share life and worship together. Obviously, that means worship at church on Sundays. It should be a priority for all of us. But there are other ways to do that too. You could join a Christian youth group and have fun and make friends with other people your age who are following Jesus. Join the Christian Union at school. Join a life group. Come along to a prayer meeting in the evening. Go to Mums Connect. These are all great opportunities to worship, to cry, to laugh, to play and to pray with other Christians. Read books and testimonies about what God is doing through other people and has been doing through them. God didn't go to sleep at the end of the New Testament and then sort of wake up every so often on a Sunday morning when we worship. Here are some suggestions to get you started. These are great books that have been written in the last 50 years of what God's been doing in different parts of the world that I've found it helpful. You might want to check out The Cross and the Switchblade. I say I'd recommend that from anyone from eight upwards. It's an amazing and inspiring story. Chasing the Dragon, about a British woman in Hong Kong, maybe for a little bit older. Why not read that? The Heavenly Man, about a man and his wife called to go to Jerusalem. Uh, sorry, uh, The Heavenly Man, about a man in China whom God used amazingly and actually had many experiences, almost very like Peter's in prison when he was released miraculously. I actually had a chance to go and hear him in Cambridge and couldn't get into the church. There were so many people wanted to come and hear what God had done through this man. Appointment in Jerusalem about a man and his wife who got called by God to go to Israel. 
These are all great books about what God has been doing in the lives of people in the last 50 years. Why not pick them up and start to read? And third, what about mission? I want to take 10 minutes to sit down this week with a cup of tea or a hot chocolate or a glass of milk. You can brainstorm and pray and doodle about what God wants you to do to share his love with others this year. Write it down. Doodle about it. And then commit a couple of goals to memory so that you can follow Jesus and serve him in the year ahead. Finally, and this is one that all of us ought to find easy, but I think often find hard, work out what you really enjoy doing. I don't mean what's easiest. Vegging in front of the TV is the easiest thing to do in life, but not particularly satisfying. I mean, what makes you really happy? Then make time and do it. Program in time to go for walks. Listen to music, play Sabutio, practice an instrument, call friends, join a sports team, bake cakes. Make time to enjoy the world God has given you and then give him thanks for it. Jesus wants to give us joy through his people, his world and his work.